0: hi welcome to off script i'm zach lewis and i'm dr draper today on the show we're talking about the batman it's finally here i don't believe in andy i'm so excited <laughs> that's right we've been excited to talk about the batman on this show for way too long uh well god when did the, okay we first saw a trailer for the batman right august, at the beginning of the I pandemic look,
1: I, right i look at this it was no it was august 2020 that was when the first one dropped yeah and that and was, was yeah it, it was supposed to come out in october of 2021 so you know you get you get the big teaser about a year out that that's normal but then it got delayed uh so then we didn't see another trailer for like another year
0: yeah um they stopped shooting for covid obviously like everybody else um they had shot some stuff before i think right up to like when everything shut down in hollywood and then picked it back up afterwards um i don't i didn't really notice in the movie you know we're going to talk about the movie more. That's something we're going to do in this show. We're also going to talk about things that are coming out in April and May, and uh, maybe a little bit of March. I think. Eh, okay, but March and April, no May. I'm sorry, it's March and April. We're going to talk about things yeah. that are coming out in March and April that you want to keep an eye on, things to put on your watch list. And before all that, we got to get to the news. Uh, first things first, actually, real quick, Andy. Only one movie this episode. I forgot to. I That's forgot right. to say that. Mega, the it's Normally we do episode. too. It's, yeah. our
1: it's our bat It's our bat
0: Uh We've done enough episodes. This is episode 168 of Off Script? We've done this long enough to find out that if we're going to talk about a three-hour movie, we should usually just give it its own segment. Because our conversation will run like a half hour in between everything else we'll talk about in the show. That's most of the show. So we just figure, you know what? We're, we, this one, we're going to we're gonna give bat- Matt Reeves the whole thing. The whole floor. Episode 168 is dedicated to the Batman, and that's what we're doing. And, and so, so let's jump into it. Our, our first bit of news this week. Disney Plus is in introducing a cheaper ad-supported model later this year. Uh, Many streaming services either have some kind of ad-supported streaming model or have played with the idea of it. We have not seen Disney wade directly into this with Disney Plus, though we should say Hulu, which it owns, does have an ad-supported plan.
1: Andy, how much is this thing going to cost? We don't know yet. Um, (laughs) That was one thing. uh, (laughs) They did not uh, tell us the price of this uh, ad-supported version of Disney Plus, or when uh, they plan to launch it. We do know that the current price is I guess seven ninety nine, so it will be cheaper than that, probably uh, five or six dollars. Uh, that's kind of the stat. It might be tiered. Uh, so I know um, some services do, like you can get a lot of ads and p- pay the the lowest price, or you could kind of get get somewhere in the middle. Um, but Disney's going to be wading into that. Hot
0: take. I'll bet they. like line up the announcement of pricing for this like coincidentally with a hike in pricing because for what it's worth $7.99 is pretty cheap for a streaming service right now Netflix is going to what 14 I think Hulu without ads is like 13 like there and I think that's going up like that eight bucks is pretty cheap so it's surprising to me that they're announcing they're going to have an ad free plan and it makes me think they're probably going to roll it into you know, right. like a, pri- a price hike for the rest of a schmoes, right? Um, what do you think?
1: Uh, probably that, that'll that be a smart way to to approach this. You know, you raise the price to, uh, to $8.99 to $9, and so then like a $5 or $6 ad-supported version seems appealing. Yeah, well,
0: I, I think that's... <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I, I mean, it's worth mentioning, like I said at the top, uh, many other streaming services do this. Like, they have ad-supported plans, and they're popular. I mean, Spotify, by default, music service, has ads, and there are th- millions of users that will watch stuff with ads. Like, that. that is not going to hang people up. I guess I'm glad to see Disney's, you know, willing to willing to pinch hip for the little guy, because that is a good thing. Like, there are people who are trying to be, you know, fiscally aware of, of how they're spending things, and I think parents and households should want to have something like Disney Plus. Like, I I think that's that's a good service to hang on to especially if you got young kiddos you know so if there's a way to do that then i think that's a good thing um but man disney's just gonna keep making money god the house of mouse right you can't stop them
1: right they they have a goal of 230 to 260 million subscribers uh by the end of like 2025 or so my god um so that that's massive i mean they're looking to eventually upend netflix um in a way so We'll see if that that happens.
0: Yeah, we certainly will. Uh, For what it's worth, keep in mind, Disney does not only own Disney Plus, they also own Hulu and ESPN Plus. They have a huge, huge share of the streaming market right now uh, coming right up on Netflix with 196.4 million subscribers. Uh, So they're doing great. Um, But man, the the, the mouse is going to get another piece if they can. And speaking of movies and how much things cost, this story out of AMC this week uh is really something else.
1: Andy, do you wanna you wanna you wanna read the headline here, please? Uh yes. AMC is charging more for Batman tickets. CEO charging on more for variable Batman. pricing. They're charging uh, more for
0: Batman tickets? What is this? Variable pricing.
1: Sorry, go ahead. So AMC and not just AMC but also Regal and Cinemark experimented with surge pricing for the Batman. And they actually also did it with uh Spider-Man no way home to a certain extent, um, by adding a dollar to a dollar 50 to uh ticket prices. And for the, and this is just the regular, this is not like the fee ink, the fees is on top of what they would normally charge. Um, just experimenting, see if people will go. And it was a huge movie. So, uh, people will pay, most people are going to pay a dollar, dollar 50 extra to see the Batman. I'm. I don't support this.
0: <laughs> it's really, I don't have much to say about it. I capitalism, think capitalism, I mean, yeah. baby. I don't right. Yeah, cap. Sure. It is. Here's the invisible hand of the free market, right? Pulling the strings. Uh, it is what it is, right? Like AMC can charge whatever the hell they want for tickets, like any theater can. So I'm not gonna say they can't do this, but I just don't like it. I get that it's uh something they've been doing for years in European theaters, and it's not okay over there. Like, who is AMC to goalkeep what is quality cinema worth paying more or less for? Like, why does AMC get to flavor town us into deciding what is good and bad cinema? I'm not into this. I don't like it. I don't like variable pricing. Um, then I mean, then again, I don't I don't like book tickets online am i just old andy am i out of touch no surely it's the cinema who's wrong what's going on here
1: (laughs) um well like i said that they're just trying to get more money out of what what's happening and yeah unfortunately all films are not created equal if you have some indie darling no one really knows about and you have something like a big comic book event film you're gonna make more money on on the more popular film and so you might as well you know charge a little bit more for it i guess ever goes (laughs) you remember during the pandemic andy i'm sure you do when there
0: was that like twilight moment when we thought maybe movie theaters are kind of gonna die and that'll be a good thing i feel like that's behind us now and and amc is coming out swinging i I like this line in here he says by the way uh when, when the ceo spoke on this uh adam aaron spoke on this uh he said in europe we charge a premium for the best seats in the house as we do just about all sellers of other, of other ticket industry, sports events, concerts, and live theater. So that's talking about charging what I assume geographically within the theater. And I was going to say that's silly, but they already do that. If you go to cinema and get a D-Box ticket, that's like in a specific section of the theater and you pay a premium for those tickets. Um, God, they're going to make their money no matter what, right? Like nobody is no, equal in the American movie theater anymore. No, it's the haves and the have-nots. Yeah.
1: I've, I've always wondered, I guess D-Box is a good example of that, but yeah, why some... Cause there are like, if you get that front row, that front row should be discounted. (laughs) That should be a dollar less for those seats. Those seats are awful.
0: Honestly, I'm not even kidding. I genuinely think that would be a better marketing strategy than this bullshit. Cuz at least you could you, at least you could get a you could get a gag over on that. Hey, yeah, if you're if you're sitting within like the first 2 or 3 rows is a dollar cheaper, like that might actually draw people. That's accessible. But this just sh- shamelessly charging more because you know a movie's going to be popular. Like just saying, "Hey, uh, this new Christopher Nolan film, we're going to throw a dollar on it cuz his name's Christopher Nolan." Or, "Hey, the Batman, that's a popular property. We're going to charge more for it." Like that's that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I, I don't like
1: it. I'm not way, a fan. I, I have a hack for uh, D box seats. Oh, do you really? If you if you book the seats right behind D box, you get a little bit of the like per, like rumble from effect. You know, it's it's like the overflow. You're in, like in the radius, so like you can get the D box experience without the D box. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, the D-Box Life Act by the row uh, behind D-Box. For, for more eth-
1: ethically compromised
0: Good theater. God. Jesus, Andy. Have some self-respect. Uh yeah, no. The, 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 okay, hold on. Wait a second. I was just looking at this the other day. If I'm gonna go see the Batman again, should I get D-Box?
1: Do you think? I've heard it's kind of awesome. Okay. So I I what I would do is is try and book like uh the, an early bird show and get those D-Box seats or a matinee oh, right. show or something. Yeah, yeah. But a lot All of right. times they actually just don't they won't let you get those seats at those times, but right. You got to charge premium,
0: right? You can't you can't if buy you, this during matinee pricing time. No, no.
1: If, if you uh, anyway, if you have the means, I would yeah,
0: definitely. Uh a- a- AMC continues to to kill cinema. Don't don't go to AMC theaters. Or do. Right. I'm not gonna look. We're not sponsored or unsponsored by AMC, but just is look, is somebody who worked at AMC for a few years in high school? <laughs> I'm here to say this sucks and I don't like this. So, more. for more on AMC and what's going on at the movies, keep it here on off script. Our last story this week from the box office The Batman soars to a bedazzling $134 million opening. My God. And who could have seen this coming?
1: Well, the, the, this is about what we thought. We knew this was going to be huge and it, we it hit its. It's target. The the funny thing is comparing this to Spider Man No Way Home, this is about what they thought Spider Man would do. And then oh, Spider Man no, came out with 250 million over. Yeah, sorry, God. Like just, just a crazy, crazy amount. Um, and uh worldwide it's made almost two hundred and fifty million. Uh so a little over two hundred and fifty. So it's 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 a hit. It's a certified hit. It's gonna it's gonna be a billion dollar movie. Right. Um Easily and by by the end of the month, there's going to be repeat viewings. I definitely want to see it again. So uh, once again, uh, comic book movies are are, are saving theaters. Uh, the demographics are normal. Most of the the ticket buyers were young males, age eighteen to thirty five. Apparently, that's the hot demographic to get people in the theaters. Like you get those you get those people going to the movies. Your movie is going to be a success. That's right. Um, so sorry for. Sorry for any female <laughs> – Wow. <laughs> yeah. Films that cater to females or right, yeah. old people or right. anyone else. Like, it's sad. Um, well, you
0: yeah. know, we we were talking about the March-April film preview before we, we jumped to the Batman review here. And there's a few films in there that definitely do not look like they're going to hit huge. Uh, and, yeah, they, they're the catering to, you know – families and 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 women or or yeah old older folks i mean death in the nile did not do great just just last week like and that was kind of an offbeat audience normally that would be a pretty safe bet but here we are they spent a hundred million dollars on that movie uh i'm glad the batman's doing well uh yes despite despite my and andy's review coming in just a moment uh, it's it's clear that the Batman is a certified hood classic. Like a ton of people went and saw this thing. Not as many as Spider-Man, of course, but hey, second best domestic debut of the pandemic era behind Spider-Man No at Home. And it's worth mentioning, by the way, a bit of fun fact trivia for you. The last movie Warner Brothers released exclusively in theaters was Tenet. Christopher Nolan's Tenet, starring oh, okay. our very own Rob Pattinson. And now here they are again after all this time coming back. To, to check in on what's going on at the movies with an exclusive The Batman starring Rob Pattinson. Uh, I don't think there's anything to it, but I'm glad it's doing well, right? Like, I'm glad DC's got a hit on their hands because, my God, they need one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, the other uh, films in... When D, the DCEU first started, uh, Man of Steel was under... It did okay. It underperformed. The studio panicked and immediately went to Batman v Superman. And then they those movies were kind of mediocre also underperformed uh so it's nice to have your a-list property actually getting a-list numbers because my god if aquaman continues to be the best selling dc property i don't know i don't know i don't want that kind of future real quick andy
0: before we jump into the batman tell me like what do you think it is that dc's doing here that's different from marvel strategy that's starting to pull numbers i mean is it just using a big character like the batman or is it something more
1: um, I mean, it's, it's flexing a big character, but giving him, uh, what we're going to talk about is a, a much better movie. Um, you know, Batman V Superman, it was like, uh, God, it's so bad in, in hindsight. I never there got were, through it all. I've tried. I've yeah, tried twice. I mean, it, like, there's like 10 plot lines going on. They're throwing all these major story arcs. All You know, there's a weird decision to make, uh, what's his name, Lex Luthor, be like Mark Zuckerberg, which he's not, and just, it just wasn't compelling. The I mean, it's just lacking an, actually, just a lot of, like, storytelling issues, like, not, not uninteresting characters, uninteresting story arcs.
0: Yeah. Um, it's a different approach, I think, to what a hero is, right? Marvel has this really um serialized kind of look at things now. Like every everything's part of a series and every character ties into something else now. And, and much like picking up an issue off the off, off the comic book shelf, like they've got this feeling of like a weekly standard, regular rotation that you know is coming. You know there's gonna be three more Marvel movies coming down the pipe soon. But DC has something different, right? They have they have a different sort of energy and and I think the Batman is, is kind of the next to tap into what that's supposed to be going forward, I hope, anyway. Um, so without further ado, I'm glad the Batman's doing well, and I think we should jump into it. So I'm going to be taking a summary on this one. Please excuse my clumsy delivery. The movie is The Batman. Fear is a tool. So The Batman is about a young vigilante gotham who's just just been you may at have it. heard of him yes yeah who's who's just been at it for two years as explained early in the film uh our young bat is played by robert pattinson if you haven't heard uh who is a, a struggling bruce wayne who's who's having a very challenging time uh getting through the mire of 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 crime and 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 awfulness that runs through gotham gotham is classically in batman movies a terrible city and a terrible place to live uh and and our young bat is is very much struggling with that and and what it means to respond to that whether he is is pure unadulterated anger or maybe something a little bit more you know he he calls himself vengeance and he means it uh our, our, our Batman is not a follow-up to The Dark Knight or The Dark Knight Rises. It is not a follow-up to any of the Christopher Nolan films. Rather, this is an entirely new take on the character. This is not like Ben Affleck's Batman. This is a new thing. New Alfred, new Batman, uh, and a new masked villain, I should say, who's terrorizing Gotham in a serial killer style outfit that looks a lot like uh, uh, David Fincher's uh, Zodiac or even David Fincher's Seven uh played by paul dano uh the movie also stars zoe kravitz as catwoman jeffrey wright as commissioner gordon and andy circus as alfred pennyworth the movie is the
1: batman andy what'd you think uh i really liked it <laughs> uh i i was a little yeah, too. worried about the <laughs> runtime because it's like i don't I don't care how good you're you know how much, much i'm looking forward to it, if you know it, it, it's a long time to, to ask for someone's attention, uh, but it totally works. Uh, I was glued for the first like two hours and 15 minutes or something I was with it every step of the way and about halfway through I needed to use the restroom and I kept thinking, oh, this is a good spot and, but then like no, something good's happening and then that kept happening like every every 10 minutes I was what waiting to get a break. Um, but no, it, it was pretty fantastic. We, we get uh, this is not an origin story. Um, it's important to point out. This is like Batman Year Two. Like he's been doing the Bat thing for a little bit, but he's still n- not got it down a hundred percent. Things are worse in Gotham, he says, worse than ever. Uh, somehow, what he's doing is not being super effective. He can't really figure out why. We get this rain so drenched, dark. You know, when when you thought Batman couldn't get any grittier, any darker, yeah, um, we've had it. It's like I, I've heard it compared to Blade Runner level yes. constant, constant uh, rain. Yeah. It's always working in Gotham. And what we get is this Detective Noir uh that is heavily, heavily focused on detective. This isn't the kind of Batman movie that's focused on action scenes. There are action scenes, but it's not like a Nolan kind of summer blockbuster, uh that kind of film. It's really about the detective work of finding figuring out what are these why are these murders happening, how can we stop them? And all the players uh kind of that, that are involved, uh the penguin obviously the Riddler other people that show up Uh, and this is one of the things I was kind of concerned about was like how there's a lot of characters how are you going to how are you going to get them all working together and intertwined and I kind of thought I was worried it might be kind of episodic where you're like okay the first half of the movie is going to be Penguin second half of the movie yeah yeah but what they but what they managed to do is involve everyone all at once at, in what's going on, they really weave this this complex tale of like between the, the police and like the mob, and then Riddler out, out outside. That's kind of a page out of the Dark Knight, actually, uh, of, of having multiple kind of conflicting entities. And then you have Catwoman as well, who's kind of a kind of a gray character, like like she's she's not a bad guy. Like they, they didn't make they purposely didn't make her a thief in this. Uh, this this version, but she is, she does kind of walk in in both both worlds, both in the crime world and trying not to be be a criminal as well. So a lot of it works really well. It has a few few issues, but overall it's a huge hit. Uh, I really liked it, and um, yeah, that those are my thoughts.
0: Yeah, lots of nuanced characters, lots of nuanced dialogue, um, a lot of simple action and a whole lot of detective work make up the Batman. Um, I want to start talking about this by, by talking about kind of the tone uh, that this movie is taking. When you make a Batman movie, you've got a bit of a challenge, right? You've, you've got to one meet the audience's expectations who have seen previous Batman films. And there's been a handful and they have come from different directions. So you've got to, you've, you've got to meet them on that cinematic level, right? It has to be a movie that you like and enjoy and is worth watching. And at the same time, You have to pay service to the character, the property that we're building from, Batman. And it has to be a good Batman story. And that's not always easy, right? Like, Batman is more than just a guy running around in a mask chasing crazed people and putting them in Gotham and putting them in Arkham. Like, he's a lot more than that. He's a detective. He's, he's, he's... At some points, a a, a bit of a playboy at other points, not a playboy at all. Like he's a very nuanced character and Matt Reeves kind of takes that challenge uh, head on in the Batman. So I feel like I can confidently say for people wondering if this is going to be better or worse than Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, which is usually hailed as not only the best Batman movie, but one of the best comic movies of all time. um, I don't know. I, I don't I don't necessarily know if it's a better movie. It is three hours, and I'm going to be honest. Sometimes you start to feel the weight of that, especially in the second half of the second act. Um, but it's a really good Batman movie. <laughs> it's a really good Batman movie, um, and in that way, I think it really stands apart. Like and and really makes a name for itself in a unique way. This is not a Batman movie we've seen before. I mean, I know that sounds silly. You've never seen the Batman, but like yeah. <laughs> in this way you haven't like, this is something different. This is something unique. This is something special. And I'm really glad it, it exists. It feels like a three, three hour art house movie um, in, in, in a lot of points. And like, I can't believe it's making this much money and this many people are going to see it. It's great. It's great. And and I'm I'm really pleased at the reception to this odd approach to the Cape crusader
1: i i've heard it compared uh to something like hamlet or shakespeare that where you know you bring back the usual players but you have to you know you have to do something different you got to do something new you can't just do the same thing every time when, when you kind of bring the character on screen and that's that's what we get i, I heard a great comparison that this is more bat and less man uh where Robert Pattinson is in the suit the majority of the time. And it's less concerned with Bruce Wayne uh as a person as much as previous films. Uh the Nolan trilogy does a good job of of him having having to have this uh public Bruce Wayne persona as like this uh aloof playboy and that's a big part of you know, so that movie and some other movies. And this one it's it's really he's rarely Bruce Wayne, and it's not really when he is it it's not really important to, to what what's happening. It's... He's in the suit most of the time. Solving crime. Um <laughs> yes, and, like, yeah. like, and like I said, it's very much a detective thing. It's about looking for clues. and, and With the Riddler, it's perfect. Un, un, unmasking riddles and finding riddles within riddles. Uh, those kinds of things. So we get a very different kind of movie. It's very... I don't want to say slow pace, it, it, but it takes its time. And that's probably been so long. There's so many good scenes that could have been either left out or just thrown away or or rushed or hurried, and like he'll just really take his time with uh, a lot of the conversations, but between just all all the char- characters, he really takes his time.
0: Yeah, I think director Matt Reeves um, really, really, I mean, and also co writer, uh, really is 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 the star here that we're that we're looking at. Um, not only in his presentation of the film, but like his writing. The, the writing in this movie is stellar. Um, it's Matt Reeves formerly directed Cloverfield. He directed two of the Planet of the Apes films, the last of which I do not think was a short endeavor. Um, and the Planet of the Apes movies seem like movies that would be pretty silly, but those movies not only did great, but were also really well received. People, A lot of people really liked him, and that's because, I think, of his writing. He helped write War of the Planet of the Apes, and I believe Dawn of the Planet of the Apes as well. Um, so Matt Reeves has definitely got some experience kind of writing odd characters in uniquely grounded situations and that's exactly how he approaches Batman. Our, our 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 Bat is 2 years into it does not even really have the full trimmings of a bat outfit yet. Like still doesn't even really look like the scariest bat you'd ever think. Like he's kind of got goofy boots on and he looks a little funny like when you got far away sometimes. <laughs> Um, And he's not as tall as anybody else, right? Like Robert Pattinson isn't like six foot four. Like he's a pretty average sized dude. But the way the bat is presented in this movie makes him feel so grounded despite being this goofy character. Like he is supposed to be An odd guy. (laughs) People often refer to him as a freak um, because they look at this guy who's walking around in an outfit as a vigilante fighting people like kick ass. And they're like, you're insane. But then they look at him and they really look at him in his his piercing blue eyes and there's just nothing there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like Bruce Wayne has been so run down to just like a, a nub of a person and and he is not sleeping and he is not well and and he's not in his right mind at this point Um, And Pattinson plays him as this character who just has this like striking gaze because there's, there's truly this element of, of sociopathy under everything. And it makes our bat feel so much more real than kind of this like Adonis figure we saw in Christian Bale's Batman, or maybe kind of this grounded individual we saw in somebody like Michael Keaton, or maybe even somebody fantastic like Val Kilmer. Our Pattinson's Batman... Is depressed, <laughs> like, and, and and he need, probably needs to take his meds. But like his meds are beating the hell out of people in Gotham, and he can't wait to do more of it. It's great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We we get a very unique Batman. Like we said, he's. I was like, did he even have to hit the gym? Could I be Batman? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, and it's not that you uh, know, you don't have. I don't think we actually ever see him with like. His shirt off hardly. It's not that that kind of like leering. Like he, like you said, he doesn't have to look no. like an Adonis. Um, it, it's much more concerned with the character, with the mood, with the, the mystery, uh, which is something else. I think we can start to get into. Yeah. At the beginning, we we, we there is the the murder of a political figure, who is the rival of of in an election, and other people targeted are also political. P- political figureheads, and there's a, this whole issue about corruption in Gotham, and so the Riddler kind of has this weird, uh, or it's, it's a unique perspective because he's he, he's cleaning up the streets. He's he's essentially kind of do what Batman's doing at a yeah. different angle, he, right? He's like, there's corruption; these politicians are corrupt. I'm gonna take him out. Yeah, like Rid- Riddler is a
0: is a vigilante who believes he is. Pulling out justice right which makes him an interesting foil for the bat like he's he's this guy he's this guy who's running around not following the rules like beating up other people who aren't following the rules um fortunately the bat has a wonderful relationship with uh detective gordon who
1: i guess isn't isn't commissioner
0: at this point is he Commissioner he, gordon? he, is,
1: he is not because we do hear someone else references the commissioner
0: yes okay yeah uh, so yes detective gordon played by jeffrey wright uh, is is oft featured in this movie actually it's really unique
1: Quite um, quite a, quite a he, bit,
0: yeah. And Andy mentioned at the top that this was a detective story, and it is very much so. Most of our scenes are Batman, not Bruce Wayne. Most of our scenes take place at night. They are working through crimes like one after another, following these kind of these these uh, kind of breadcrumbs step by step that the Riddler's leaving behind in his bloody wake. And Detective Gordon's a big part of that. He's a sounding board for Batman. They often talk to each other, sometimes in whispers. Uh, he'll turn on the Bat Signal, and Batman will meet him. Up there. Like he's actually really prominently featured in this movie. And Jeffrey Wright is subtle, and I, I think he can do more with the role, but for what it is, he doesn't get in the way and he doesn't slow anything down. He's a pretty good fit. Like he, he keeps up with the bat all right, like they do okay. I, I I like him just fine in this movie. Uh additionally, we've got another kind of foil for our Batman character in uh Selena Kyle, Zoe Kravitz's character, uh, who is Catwoman. Uh much more grounded in this movie.
1: Yes, yeah, so, so we find her actually wor- working, uh, with not with but at uh, one of the establishments where that that's run by the penguin, the famous iceberg lounge, uh, which is a staple of, of the comic books. Yes, um, it usually looks like a giant iceberg in there. Uh, they opted out of that. Uh, look, look, I really thought it film. might look like the,
0: the set of Die Another Day, that James Bond movie, like <laughs> exactly giant igloo, yeah.
1: So we find her as as kind of a server bartender uh with her you know kind of her wits about her always her ears to the ground and you know she eventually runs into uh the Batman at night and uh, they kind of need to work together. She she needs his help to to find someone who's gone missing and he needs her help to kind of get on the in, inside with uh you know uh, what's going on with the, with the Penguin what's go- what goes on in the inside the iceberg lounge. That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it it's she's in the movie a lot and a really important character. A lot of times, Catwoman gets sidelined. Uh, I kind of feel a little bit about that way about Anne Hathaway's uh, character, um, but Zoe Kravitz is is really really good in this and, and her character is very very important to everything that goes on. She's in a lot of scenes.
0: Zoe Kravitz is is a great fit for this role because she's very alluring and that's exactly what bruce wayne needs to run into at this point and in his in his bat career right like he needs to start making connections and meeting people in the city that can help him achieve things like obviously he already knows detective gordon but selena kyle is a great step to getting to the penguin and into the iceberg lounge and finding out more about what officials in the city really are crooked and aren't and finding out how much of gotham really is rotten to the core um, additionally, you know, you get a little bit of a love interest, right? A little bit of romance. If you're watching on Facebook, you can see the screenshot I put up. Like, oh, okay, you got you got your girl and your and your guy, your cat and the bat, as she says. Um, and she's a great fit for it. I I, I like her. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can. I think I like her more than Anne Hathaway. I don't think I don't know if I like her as much as Michelle Pfeiffer, but Michelle Pfeiffer is pretty stunning as Catwoman. So it's I think it's an unfair comparison. Yeah, best. I was um, going to
1: say that the Michelle Pfeiffer version but is so it's, it, true. it's it's amazing, but in, in a different kind of way. You <laughs> it's know, amazing. Right? Uh, it's true. Um, but like you said, like the movie doesn't I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't know how they they greenlit like Catwoman as a dominatrix. Yeah, in, like God. in like, 1992,
0: they knew what they were doing. My God, I'm so glad that got committed to film. Uh, yeah, like like Andy said towards the top, you don't find yourself like split between these characters all that much. And that's really unique. Some of them are in the movie more than others. Uh, you may have heard rumblings on the internet that Alfred uh, played by circus is not in this film much. That's true. And, and Catwoman does drop out for a chunk of the second act because you know, Batman's doing an investigation, working stuff out you, and you do miss penguin at a time for the most part. Like it really feels like a cohesive universe. Anybody that's gone comes back in at some point. Like everybody is a player and, In a series of games here and like nobody's wasted and and that's effective because yeah, you got some good villain. You got some good Batman characters in this movie. You got Batman, Catwoman, the Riddler, uh, Penguin is here. I mean, that's not a bad start. That's not a bad start for like the first Batman flick. And at three hours, you'd think that would feel overstuffed, but it doesn't. It's got good pacing. I think it moves pretty effectively.
1: What's interesting is that they don't like that she's never called Catwoman, but she is Catwoman. You know, it's she's Selena. And then the penguin is never called the penguin. He's just odds as in Oswald. Yeah. Uh so the, so they they do. I think I guess the Riddler does call refer refer to himself as the Riddler, so you can't get around. But it it really helps ground the movie. And Colin Farrell is just completely unrecognizable as as the penguin as Oswald Cobblepot. Uh he's you know, he's he's got a ton of facial ma- makeup he, he's got like you know probably a fat suit or whatever and uh, and he's got a voice he's got this like you know Brooklyn accent or or whatever he's like a New York gangster uh kind of way and he's an interesting character too because he's just um he's not necessarily like a rival of Batman he's just like hey look I, I just run a place and I just facilitate you know meetings between peoples but I'm not like I I don't do anything myself but he's you know still n- not quite on the right side of the law but uh he, i mean great performance from Colin Farrell he's in the movie of fair amount and is an important player and for those who don't know he will be getting uh his own show on on HBO Max uh penguin which will which will be kind of a prequel series leading up to this movie i i think
0: Yeah, really anxious to see what they do with that and if they can kind of maintain the tone present in the film here. Uh, Penguin is just one small part of a very large crime problem in Gotham, uh, and there are other people who are also involved with that. Of course, you've got Riddler, who Batman is actively investigating, um, but you've also got Penguin, who is not part of an active investigation. He just kind of gets caught up in it. You've got a couple crime bosses. Uh, you got you got the Falcones and the Moronis. I'm not even. I don't even know if that's exactly what their names are. But you got a you got a crooked DA. Like Gotham is really, really rotten to the core in this movie, and it's presented in such a great way because Gotham is so gothic, so gothic in this movie. Bruce Wayne's Ex- house looks like the ins- gothic. Yeah, Bruce Bruce Wayne's house looks like the inside of like like a cathedral turned inside out. It looks like you would have Gotham. It looks like you would have gargoyles on the inside of his house. <laughs> Like and the rest of Gotham yeah.
1: is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And the rest
0: like in the rest of Gotham is similar fashion. There's a funeral scene where they go to a big church and like it's this towering obelisk of stone and spires in the back, like stained glass. And like Gotham is, is really really visually unique in this movie in a way that, that feels different than everybody else, which is good. And the crime bit, honestly, feels a bit of the same, uh, just because you're getting into a lot of the same characters. And, and I do start to feel like it reminds me like Batman begins, right? When Christopher Nolan's talking to, or Christopher Nolan, uh, Christian Bale's talking to, to the crime bosses. I don't even, I don't even remember what the, the thing was in that movie. Um, but this movie stands apart in, in kind of this long Overarching plot. There's there's a plot running underneath uh, just our 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 overall Riddler plot. plot. It's B plot. It's a lot of mob talk and a lot of double crossing. I think, and a lot of it happens verbally without a lot of flashbacks, and that's worth talking about.
1: Yeah, there is uh, yeah a complex. Uh, problem in the, that the crime bosses are k- kind of mixed in with the corrupt politicians, you know it's like they're kind of doing the dirty work or they you know some of them they get, they they got in their pocket or are indebted to them uh, that that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, like we have the Falconies and there's mention of uh there's no uh, there's no one playing uh Salvatore Moroni in this movie, but he's he is just uh referenced in his classic Batman uh, villain or you know the, the crime family um it, it it's complicated it involves everyone um that's kind of one of the i was gonna say we should probably get into criticisms at some point yeah uh, it's that's that's fair yeah the the b pot gets a little convoluted
0: it does yeah um um i think in his effort to keep this feeling like a comic book or noir film like matt reeves doesn't often cut away to flashback which is good, honestly, in a lot of cases, because you expect when you go to see a Batman movie to see a lot of flashbacks to young Bruce Wayne and Thomas and Martha Wayne. And it's nice that those are really limited, like in in the way they're presented in the movie. You didn't have to see the pearls. It's right. You didn't see Martha Wayne's pearls flying into the air after she's falling in the alley when she's shot by Joe Chill or whoever. Um, yeah, that that doesn't happen in this movie. I don't believe it. I figured for sure we'd see Martha's pearls. Uh but uh, you also don't get a lot of flashbacks to this B-plot stuff. You think you'd see mobsters, you know, talking in, in, in sh- crappy ballrooms. But like, no, you you don't get any of that stuff. Like, it's really just Batman's hanging a guy over a ledge. And he's like, tell me what you know. And the guy just blurts it all out and go into the next <laughs> scene. Like, you don't you, you don't get a lot of the visual. And I think that's okay. It makes it a thoughtful movie. It's thought-provoking. It's, it's a detective story. You're supposed to kind of think and muse on it. But I have heard people say it's boring. And that's why I feel like if you're going to compare this as a film to other films, you may say, okay, this one's a little long, a little dry in parts. I didn't feel that way, but I feel like I can understand that criticism because, yeah, there's there's bits that are
1: a little long. I mean, I I was totally with it the whole time. It does – it has this – the same issue appears in The the Dark Knight, which is – at the end of, and I'm, I'm going to use that to avoid spoilers for this film. But when we get to the, uh, everyone's trying to leave Gotham, and it has the two fairies. and th- there's that whole plot to they're going to blow each other up um, in the Dark Knight, and it's that whole sequence feels a little tacked on to me all the time. Yeah, and the movie would be like 20 minutes shorter without it. That we get a little kind of similar incident here where like the main story is happening for the first two two hours, two hours, 15 minutes, and then we kind of get a little bit of a kind of a disaster movie that that, that wraps it all up. And it seems a little bit kind of ham-fisted.
0: Yeah, it, it comes... It's not a... I, don't, I, I guess the term I'm looking for is surprise. Like, when you're sitting in the theater, it's so slow-paced... And by the time we get to an explosive finale, um, just like an explosion, it's blown up before you're even ready for it. And you're like, oh, God, we're already like well into this this new set of actions uh, that we're excited for our Cape Crusader to have to deal with. Um, and, and you're right. I, I think that's fair. I think a big part of the reason that is, is uh, I, I think it's attempted to be kind of dealt with in uh, Batman's investigation. Uh, Batman makes mistakes in this movie. And it's great. Like he's two years into it. He's not that. He's not the perfect detective yet. Like he's still figuring it out. He's still he's still putting technology together. He's still working on how he's supposed to fly through Gotham. Like he's he's still developing some technologies and some methods. Uh, and part of the reason, like we arrive so abruptly in our third act, is because Batman makes a series of. Um, you know, choices and decisions that ultimately bring us around to our finale. And I think that's good. I, I think it feels like our characters are driving for us. We are riding along with Batman throughout the whole thing. Not even Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne's barely in the movie. Like, it, it is almost Batman all the time. And, like, in a way, that feels so fitting for a Batman movie. Like it, it, feels like exactly you're exactly where you're supposed to be, you know. Like you're 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 coming along with Cape Crusader it Even opens opens with da- with voiceover, just just like a Batman comic would open with that like internal monologue of Bruce as he's like working his way through the night, right, and like fighting crime. It, it'd start with him being like you know Gotham awesome or whatever. Uh, it does that, and like that that makes it feel very grounded. It makes us feel very close to Bruce Wayne, and it makes us feel very close to the Bat. I think that's how I felt anyway.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely.
1: I was I was trying to trying to think of of other kind of issues. The, the score, no the score. Uh, the score is fantastic uh, by Michael uh, Giacchino. Fantastic score. Yeah. Who uses very little? Uh, there, there's only like three themes, like Batman, Catwoman, and uh brother all have their own theme. Then everything else is uh, this kind of incidental uh, sounding or just kind of mood, depending on on what's going on.
0: Yeah. Um, Batman's got a new theme here. Uh, it's great.
1: (laughs) So memorable. Everyone Everyone knows the Batman
0: theme in this movie. Yeah. Like it's really good. It feels strong and it it feels dark and like, yeah, it's, it's good. It's, it's really good music. Um, have you, have you been listening back on Spotify going back and,
1: uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've
0: tried. I'm not, I'm not quite that visual. Usually I need I need the movie to go along with it, but. (sighs) I don't know. As far as other critiques go, I mean, I'll admit that there there are certain a few moments that feel a little long. Like and that's okay. I don't know if you could trim twenty minutes out. Um, but additionally, Matt Reeves says he's got a four hour cut of this that he wants to put on Blu-ray. So
1: oh my gosh. I'm which I would it. watch.
0: <laughs> I would watch Zack Snyder's uh you know Matt yeah. I was gonna say Zack Snyder's. The Reeves cut. The Batman. Yeah, Matt Reeves the Batman. Yeah, like the, the ultimate director's cut. Maybe that'll be in four by three in black and white. Um yeah. I, I think I think that sounds cool. I I like what's happening here. I I like the tone of this character. I like how grounded he feels. Um, it's it's unique and, and in some ways reminds me of yeah. I think DC's stronger properties, right? Things like the Joker, or are at times even even as being as grounded as something like Shazam. Like there there are a few moments of genuine comedy in this film, um, and I think that's important. Like it, it it makes the character feel important. Like and it makes it feel like. Uh, we're seeing something really special because we are. And and I think the Batman might just be something really special. It's, it's a very good movie. It might even be a great one. Andy, any other thoughts for recommendations? No, I
1: think I'm ready. Andy, would you recommend the Batman? Yes, of course. Highly, highly recommend. Unless you just happen to hate comic book films, there are people who are not into the superhero thing, but uh, for everyone else uh, who goes to the movies, highly recommend. It was a lot of fun, very different kind of movie, uh, but still, true to the the comics and and batman as we know him as as a character it's very much a detective story uh full of uh, this dark gritty rainy gotham with lots of corruption both in in political circles and outside we have a lot of characters a lot of fun we don't have a ton of action um, compared to other, other films, uh, there's a big car chase scene uh, that you've you've seen some of in in the trailers. Uh, that happens about midway and then we get a little bit more towards the end. We don't have the kind of typical Marvel finale, which is usually where there's just a big like fight and everyone shows off their, their powers in the last 20 minutes. Uh, we don't have that that kind of finale. It's not that that kind of movie. Uh, but it it does have action in certain spots. It's just not overly kind of concerned with that uh so a lot of fun great performances highly recommend i
0: think it's telling we both forgot to talk about the action yes the action is not bad it's very good uh it's just overshadowed by the larger por- portion of the film which is you know the, the detective stuff which is exciting yes big recommendation on the batman huge recommendation on the batman uh run do not walk to your nearest theater to see the batman um the batman's great and it's not for everybody unfortunately while i say oh everybody should go see it Um, not necessarily like if you're going to be bored by like a three hour film, like maybe wait for it to come to streaming. I, if HBO keeps up with their release schedule, it should be on streaming in mid April. I think, um, unless they hold it or push it or do something special with it. Um, so it'll be available, but I think the best spot to see this is probably movie theater uh maybe even d-box like andy said maybe maybe go big and get the nice tickets with like the big cushy seats and and the big uh you know the big speakers and the big popcorn maybe that's a good idea because the batman's something really special um and i think it's great and i'm excited to see more i hope that i hope they green light a sequel very soon if they ever make a sequel uh you know we'll we'll see what happens and speaking of see what happens uh no other sequel by the way uh is it have they like approved them
1: no, uh, but I mean the movie's just been hugely successful, so yeah. they're gonna do it. Yes, we, s- sequel, sequel, a sequel is kind of teased at, at the end as well. No surprise there,
0: right? Yeah, of course. Being a comic movie, you got a little bit of a, a little bit of something coming up in the end, and I think that's I think it's good. It's done well in the Batman. It's tasteful. Uh, and speaking of tasteful, we need to talk about other things that are coming out soon, right? Movies that have been announced and are actually happening in our March and April film preview uh andy if you don't mind kicking us
1: off because i'll be honest i i kind of forgot what one of these movies is (laughs) that's all right um so yeah so we'll be looking ahead to the months of march and april it's funny because we can't do this three months out because the dates in may are like three months out they're actually not solid uh but you can usually count on just uh the first two months so the other kind of big openings uh, first of all there's nothing new this friday which is hilarious to me there there is no new march 11th uh releases because the bat they're just gonna let the batman <laughs> nobody's more... nobody
0: wants to touch the bat
1: yeah yeah um but on march 18th uh, we got a couple of, of theatrical features uh the first is x which is a horror movie starring mia goth very much in the kind of texas chainsaw massacre vibe uh we we saw this uh we talked about this trailer a little bit ago looks a lot like a lot of fun a lot of references to older kind of slasher picks we also have uh yet another remake of cheaper by the dozen which is about a family of 12 uh this time led by zach braff and gabrielle union fun family film that'll be in theaters only uh, also march 18th
0: uh, in On March 25th, we've got two exciting features that could not be more diametrically opposed. First, The Lost City, which is uh, a unique name for a rom-com starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, uh, also starring Brad Pitt. Uh, Sandra Bullock is a uh, writer who has written an exciting uh, daring romance adventure series starring a, a, a hunky blonde man named... Dash something I forget. I forget from the trailer I've, I've seen it a handful of times <laughs> now uh, played by Channing Tatum uh, and she gets whisked away to an island to look for the lost treasure that's depicted in one of her books by a billionaire playboy played by Daniel Radcliffe of all people playing against type good for him. Uh, and, and, and upon realizing she's kidnapped, Channing Tatum decides to leap into action, uh, as kind of a spiritual extension of his character, uh, Dash, the, the, the adventurous hero to save her and, and, and save his, his, his betrothed, I guess, or his, his hopeful love. It seems like they're probably going to fall in love by the end. I think that's what's going on there. I can't be sure, obviously, but, uh, the Lost City is... Something else, yeah. It's a rom com, and I, I, in a way, I hope it does well because, like Andy said, like like it's female driven films rom-com. are not. It's true. Female driven films are not doing great right now, and I, I don't know how to feel about this one. It looks like, I, I don't know. It looks like one part the rocks, the rundown, and like another part, you know, the proposal starring Sandra Bullock. I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with Lost City. Not a great name either. Um, you'd think it'd be something a bit more. I don't know. It was called the the, L-
1: the Lost City of D. And they dropped that last part.
0: That would have been worse. Yeah, I think that's probably the, <laughs> probably the... Well, it might have been more memorable. Anyway, uh, the other movie we have is something that I worry will fly under a lot of people's radars because it probably will. It's a movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, it is based on a book. It is uh, uh, starring Michelle Yeoh uh, as... A, right, Michelle Yeoh? That's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, sorry, I don't have IMDb up. I'm just, I'm just going off what I've seen from the trailer because I've seen it a few times. Uh, she is a uh, woman who is struggling to get by, which she's got problems with her finances. She's, she's, she's got a husband who's relatively supportive, but, uh, one day upon trying to kind of work through finance at a local office, uh, her husband pulls her aside and says, I'm not your husband. Uh, I'm an interdimensional traveler and I'm here to tell you that you're the hero we need to save, save the multiverse. And she's like, what are you talking about? And then somehow she gets pulled into this kind of through the looking glass, Alice in Wonderland kind of multiverse adventure uh, that 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 ends up leading her to discover more about herself than she ever knew before. It sounds really strange, and it is. Uh, the, the The movie is made by Daniels, uh, the directing team behind Swiss Army Man. Uh, that's that Daniel Radcliffe, Paul Dano, Daniel Radcliffe movie where Daniel Radcliffe plays a corpse that farts a bunch. Mm-hmm. Which is actually, if you haven't seen it, I know it sounds silly. It's actually a really good movie. Uh, and I'm actually excited to see this one too. It looks really weird. Um, but Swiss Army Man went to places I didn't expect. And these two, two directors have done something special once. I want to see if they can do it again.
1: So I'll yeah. be checking
0: out everything ever all at once. If you want to know more about it, keep your on off script.
1: Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to that. That looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. And then April 1st, this is not a joke. Is, <laughs> no, no, April uh, Fool's here. Is the what well, I was going to say, a lot can happen in three weeks. Oh, yeah. Is, uh, Morbius, after like two years of, co- of constant delays, um, uh. Morbius will finally be coming to theaters. I-, I say that, and there's three weeks left in March. A, a, lot-, a lot could happen. It could get delayed again. Um, so that'll be that. Uh, <sighs> um, <laughs> the following, and that's April 1st. Following weekend, April 8th, is the Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the follow-up to the, the very successful 2020 uh, film. And then also April, also that same day, April eighth, is Ambulance, Ambu L A Ants, um, <laughs> which is the action heist film uh, starring Yaya Mateen II and Jake Gyllenhaal. This that was actually supposed to come out in J- January, and they pushed it. That's right, uh, because of Omicron and uh, COVID. Remake so of a that- German
0: heist film, Ambulance, ah. but obviously that one didn't take place in LA. Also. You know, I read this a few weeks ago, and I haven't told you this, and I, I didn't uh, I haven't said it on the show yet because it's a rumor, and and obviously we should not be you know crediting rumors. But what's worth? I, low key, I heard I heard test screenings of Ambulance are super good, and that would be wild if that movie came out and was really good because it's a Michael Bay. Bay movie, and I don't I don't see that being a stunner. Like I would I would be surprised, but like I heard a rumor that supposedly test screenings for Ambulance are really good. It looks um, so Michael Bay. It does. It, it, dude. It's it's hard. Michael Bay. I'm excited to see what they do with it. And additionally, I should say, I'm surprised Morbius is getting its own weekend. I keep hearing rumblings that that movie might be a box office stunner. That might, that might be that might be a stone cold knockout. It's done, I think I
1: think it will be. I I don't know. How. Just, like it looks the comic so book bad. stuff just just hits. Yeah,
0: like we're we're back in the full swing of comic book stuff. Jared Leto has not been putting out hits. Uh, I think his last couple performances have been a miss. Like. I don't see Morbius being incredible, but I'm starting to see ads for it again. They're calling him a a Marvel legend. (laughs) Like, oh, God. Yeah, it's... (sighs) Anyway, uh, on April 15th, we're getting Fantastic Beasts, The Secret of Dumbledore. This is the third in the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them trilogy in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Uh, Man, this movie is cursed. Uh, (laughs) It seems like... It seems like nobody wants to see this because all the diehard Harry Potter fans hate J.K. Rowling uh, because of her hardcore hard, hardcore uh, stances on uh, uh, trans radical feminism and. Uh I, the last movie didn't do that good either. Like they've they've written their main character out. Newt's Newt um, Scamander is uh, he's, uh-huh. he's barely the lead anymore. The logo for this says Dumbledore in huge letters. All the all the all the advertising features Jude Law heavily playing Dumbledore. Like they've really they're really trying to find a direction with that yeah, movie. Yeah,
1: they, they do have. I will say, uh, Mads Mikkelsen, uh, who is replacing Johnny Depp. As a uh, Grindelwald, looks fantastic in the role. He he's so good at doing the at being the a villain. Uh, fantastic actor.
0: Yeah, I, you know he like, looks I mean, all right. I I don't think he looks too shabby. Uh, all right, hold on, Andy, three left. How do how do I split these? You want to take them? Should I take the next two and you take the last one?
1: I mean, what do you? Um, I definitely want to talk about the Northman. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> um, w- w- the Northman is. The next film by Robert Robert Eggers Robert yeah. Eggers I yeah. always want to say Roger, um, who of course did The Witch and The Lighthouse. Before that, he this is kind of his first larger feature, um, and the film I forget who it stars, but it has a very Hamlet esque um, plot in. Uh, someone's try Someone's kingdom has been usurped by their brother and the Alexander Skarsgård. I couldn't remember which Skarsgård it was. <laughs> There's like nine uh, of them. Yeah, yeah. And the picture here is ridiculous of him. Uh, a- as the Viking who must get revenge, he he must rescue his his mother. He must get revenge on on his uncle and um. Yeah, it looks awesome. It looks like a lot of action. It's a sort kind of sword and sandal. Feel, but with uh, Robert Eggers, who who's done uh, amazing work on the on smaller p- projects, and uh, it'll be exciting to see how this goes.
0: Yeah, I think The Northman looks like a bloody good time. I've definitely heard it's pretty violent. It's a hard R, so the trailer shows a bit of that, but I'm I'm anxious to see how far they get into it because supposedly it's
1: pretty. <laughs> I've I realized I don't know if you know there is a different cut in the theatrical cut of the trailer is different from what they released online the first one because they they've cut out some of the the violence I mean we're talking like a fraction of a second but like the really, really, like, gory stuff has been cut out of the theatrical trailers. Yeah.
0: I have a I have a vision of, of Alexander Skarsgård just trolling through a, a Viking town in, in, in one long one-shot, right? Like a one-er, where for, like, a minute and a half, he's walking around just cutting down every dude that comes up on him without wearing a shirt. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to be going on in that movie, but it looks pretty exciting. The other thing coming out April 22nd is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. You might have seen the trailer for this movie? This is a Nicolas Cage film starring Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage, uh, playing a version of himself um, who's attending, I guess... Uh, what, a, a foreign diplomat's house for the week for a party and and upon discovering the foreign diplomat paid by Pedro Pascal is a huge fan of his work but also might be plotting to take over the world or something. Nicolas Cage has to uh, don his hero cap in one way or another and stop Pedro Pascal from doing whatever it is he's supposed to be doing. It seems silly uh, but it's got a really strong trailer that's been playing great in theaters. This movie might do really well because it really seems to be built entirely on the unbearable weight of massive talent of Nicholas Cage himself. And, uh, I don't know, man. Like I really, it, I think you put a bunch of cage moments together in a movie. You got to hit, you know, right. You throw Pedro Pascal in there too. He's a lot of fun. You you might have something here. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how this movie does.
1: Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. It might, it looks a little bit like it might be save you know, save it for streaming, but it does look funny. Um, and I'm a Nicholas Cage fan, uh, as well. Yeah. Finally, at the end of April, April's a long long month of weekends. April 29th is an action film called Memory starring Liam Neeson and his, I don't know how you you enter an action star's phase in like your 60s, but he's he's done it. Um, and all all the plot of this is uh, an assassin for hire finds that he's become the target after he refuses to complete a job for Dan- dangerous criminal organization. That sounds like every assassin plot ever. <laughs> yeah. Um film also stars Monica Bellucci uh and guy guy pierce love guy well. pierce i yeah. have not seen a trailer or anything for this uh which means it's probably not very good if it's six weeks out and we haven't seen any marketing materials um but Liam neeson like people love these these films people go like these films make money his, his you know old, his average old guy assa- expert assassin yeah know, martial artist like it, it works
0: i mean yeah there's a lot of people out there who say well the you know the the, the the allure of the rising movie star is dead, right? Like anybody anybody can be a star now. And everybody's got a camera, people can get on TikTok or whatnot and and Anybody can be can can be huge. Like look Tim look at Timothy Chalamet, look at Tom Holland. look at Zendaya, like up and comers. A- anything could happen in this crazy world of, of Hollywood. Not really. I mean, yes, that 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 can be true, right? But also look at the unbearable weight of massive talent and bring in the Nick Cage people. And even Memory, who's probably gonna bring in Liam Neeson fans. My God. Like Liam I sw- I think I've heard Liam Neeson the niece, say Yes, I been The Neeson's, the, the yeah. I feel like I've heard <laughs> Liam Neeson say this was his final, final action movie ever eight times. I feel like I've heard him say he's never gonna do big action movie again and here we are we he swinging yeah, on another one three <laughs> yeah like I, I i don't know what memory is supposed to be but i'm i'm anxious to find out more and uh man i
1: i hope our boy guy pierce comes around so that, that's like eight, Pearce, dude. 10 releases in in between march and april
0: april's a big month big big month at the movies and if you want to know what's going on uh keep it here on oscar for more andy what are we watching next week
1: We're doing a couple of straight-to-streaming numbers next week. Uh, The first is Turning Red, which is Pixar's latest film, which will be on Disney Plus March 11th. This was supposed to be a a theatrical release, but family films have really struggled during the pandemic, even hits like Encanto and Sing 2, well, they've done well. They haven't done pre-pandemic money, so the decision was made uh, for turning red to go straight to Disney Plus. So that'll be out March 11th. And then the other one is the Adam Project uh, on Netflix, starring Ryan Reynolds, uh, which is some sort of time travel, something or other. He goes and meets his younger self, and I actually have I've avoided the trailer for this um, because. It's Netflix and Netflix. Yeah, I, I, I can fill in a
0: little bit here. I know there's a bit of I know this is a bit of sci-fi. I know it's from a lot of the team that made Free Guy. I think they made this one kind of close to or after that because as far as I know, Ryan Reynolds is supposed to be in like acting hiatus right now. I thought he said he was taking like two years off to hang out with his kids. So I think this was produced right after Free Guy. I think it's pretty small, pretty simple. Like I, I don't think there's a lot going on in this movie, but I think it's going to be timely. It's got Ryan Reynolds. So, you know. We're going to watch it. We're going to find out what it's about. And if you want to hear our review of the Adam project or turning red, or maybe, you know, anything else we've been doing on this little show, we called off script. The best thing you can do is go, uh, you know, Find us on the internet. Find us on Facebook, where we live stream the show every Tuesday at about 4 30 or 5 o'clock today, because I had extra work and was running late. You can find us on YouTube, where we upload our full video episodes. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play, all the usual podcast places. But if you want to keep up with us, you can follow us over there. You can check out our website, offscriptfilmreview.com. You can email us at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. Send us some correspondence to the show. Maybe we'll even read it live on the air. But if you want to support the show, if you want to help us out, if you want to say thanks for doing Off Script, like we thank you for for listening to this whole show, thanks. Uh, the best thing you can do is just subscribe. Subscribe to get new episodes of Off Script delivered straight to your phone every single Tuesday when we do them. We love doing the show, and we love talking about movies. So thanks for listening to Offscript and us talking about movies. And the Batman and everything that's going on this <laughs> week. So uh, from all of us
1: at Offscript, the home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper.